Okay, folks, a, um, a urgently recorded episode of The Golf Guy, urgently because um, I have my good friend Brady Riggs with me, and we both, as the rest of the country did, watched history today with uh, Phil winning his sixth major. So I thought, while it's all fresh in our minds, um, it was worth having a conversation about. So Brady, good to see you again. I know you're 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 back as in your um, director of golf instruction mode at um, in Hawaii. So appreciate you joining me. And um, wow, I you know you and I were um, texting uh, a, a bit during it, and what a um, certainly historic. And we can talk about that uh, in terms of where this puts Phil and everything. But just to go through the round for a second in the tournament. Bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. I just, you know, that front nine um, with him and Brooks. I mean, first of all, I will say, I, you know, uh, wherever your sentiments lie in terms of who you were rooting for, I certainly would have bet money if I had to bet money on Brooks. I would have expected him to win. And particularly that start where he starts and he gets the two shot swing and then just bizarreness happened. I mean, have you ever seen an opening to a tournament like that? It was kind of weird, right? I mean, it was just all over the place. It was, there was multiple personalities. There were in the, I mean, it was just so strange and, and watching guys make mistakes, some basic mistakes, you know, that just right. seemed so silly and doing it over and over again. And the number of doubles and, and, and it was just bizarre. I mean, the leaderboard was, it was all over the place, but it, it made it very interesting because you didn't know what the heck was going to happen next which was, I think, what makes it compelling to watch sometimes. It certainly wasn't, it was never boring today, right? Right, right. And, and you really, you know, most of the time, if somebody's got a three-shot lead, you're like, well, that's over. It's, it's done. But, man, at no point did you feel like it was safe today with all the stuff going on. For sure it wasn't. I guess what surprised me is, so we have the first two days we have heavy wins. And then yesterday was a little lighter. And today, granted, it was totally the opposite direction, but it wasn't nearly as breezy as it was the first two days. And, and you saw some of the early players out there, Justin Rose, until he, I think, you know, ran into a little trouble in the back nine. It was like five or six under. Abraham Answer shot 65, had a putt for 64 in the last hole. And I was watching that. I'm thinking, gee, you know, there's some low numbers out there and, you know, that, you know, there was a whole group of very, you know, strong players at two under one under, I even thought, you know, foolish me. I thought Jordan, you know, teeing off at even, I had memories of his, um, you know, that uh, uh, 64 with the bogey on 18 and 2018 in Augusta thinking, gee, you know, he strings one of those together. Maybe he shoots four or three, four under on the front nine, gets it up to four under. It could be interesting. Of course, none of that happened, but not just with Jordan, but none of those guys did. And, and of course, you know, the three leaders ended up, uh, I think, Brooke and Louie and Phil all over par today. But but right. if you look at that front leaderboard, none of them really posted any kind of low scores, even though, look, it's a super difficult golf course, no question about it. But relative to the first two days, I thought it would be more gettable than it turned out to be. I agree. And it was like, at least it seems like eight groups that were teen off before the last group all evaporated, right? right. Like all of a sudden, <laughs> Padraig Harrington and, and Shane Lowry are like tied for fourth. 
or whatever. It's like, how the hell right. did that happen? Where do they come from? Right. What is this? You know, it seemed like we took a, a time, a way back machine and all of a sudden Harrington's in contention. That was just so strange. But like DeChambeau just played horribly today. Walking Neiman. Yeah. They all yeah. went south and it was ugly yeah. and ugly early, you know. And so, the like you said, I mean, even Ricky Fowler, like, you know, he he almost gave himself a top five, except right. for the boat right. in the last. So it's pretty interesting right. leaderboard today and where it was going. And, you know, I think you know, if you're looking at Kepka's, he's got a lot of things to be upset about today, tonight. Yeah. I mean, here's a guy who was leading the par fives and scoring average of 4.25 going oh into today. Yeah. And those he plays the first three par fives, four over par. I mean, if he just pars those holes, he wins the golf tournament by two shots. Two shots. Right. That's what right. pars. I mean, if he played them at the clip he was playing, he would have won by four. You know, it was just right. a, it was fascinating to watch how south he went on the par fives. And each one has it had its own special disaster. You know, like number two, I think like this, that third shot on number two, that changed the golf tournament. It yeah. really, really did because, yeah, he misses the fairway, lays up perfect, and then he does what we all have done, right? In between clubs, takes a little extra, body slows down. Who knows whether that's right knee? I mean, you just don't know, right? But hits the power pole, has the worst lie. I mean, that slow-mo of that ball coming out, <laughs> I don't even think it got off the ground, and it might have carried seven or eight inches maybe. And then he had no chance to get it up and down. He makes double. And it's like, wow, that was, that was unforced. You know, I mean, yeah. if he had that shot to do over again, probably has a 12, 15 footer most of the time at worst for birdie walks off the green with par or better. And well, and especially and just interject, and especially given the way it started too. Right. Cause yes, I mean, that absolutely. was almost, I mean, obviously it wasn't a knockout punch, but that he had Phil reeling after one hole. I mean, you know, just, you know, two shots swing, just, you got to think like, yeah, exactly. If he hits a, a, a better third shot and at worst makes five, you know, he's still got that momentum and that totally took the wind out of the side. Right. I mean, you go from the first hole. two shot swing in your favor to three shot swing <laughs> the other way, not in your right. favor. Like you went, right. okay, I'm one down. It's good. So let's, you know, get off to a good start. Oh, I'm in the lead. Oh no, I'm not. Now I'm down two. Wait, what? I mean, in, in 25 or 30 minutes, uh, the, the leaderboard completely was, it was like something somebody was playing a video game or something. It was so strange, you know, and then he misses the easy putt on three to get himself, you know, back on at least at level for the round. And just like, I don't know, he lost the confidence off the tee, he was pulling every shot, which is another sign of his body not moving very well. I mean, he would never probably admit it knowing that guy, but it seems to me like he was struggling physically. Did you yeah. watch him go up and down the stairs before the round? I didn't actually. That was very interesting. Uh, like if you watch the if you watch the rebroadcast, you watch him, you know, there's that big thing you go up to get to the Yeah, road. yeah, the pedestrian bridge, they go up and over, right. I he remember was, that. Like the like if you've ever had a knee problem, and unfortunately I have, like going down stinks, it hurts. And he was certainly struggling going down. And well, I, I, I did notice all those times kneeling on the on the green. Yes. He was kneeling to keep the weight off the bad knee, and you know it's it, it, that has to be a part of it, right? Sure. I mean, as you were saying, the the pulls are consistent with that. 
I tell you what, though, and, and, and I will say this about him, and I know he's you he's polarizing, but he uh, I give the guy a lot of credit, man. Like he busted his butt to get to the Masters and play. He didn't play in anything until this thing. He's he's out there on one leg and competing with no excuses. I mean, some people don't like the arrogance, uh, but God, I love it. I love a competitor. I love a competitor. I mean, I, I think if he had one shot over again, it'd be that wedge on two. And, you know, but that's the way golf is, right? I mean, it's the way the game always works out. It's not like one shot. I mean, Phil doesn't hold the bunker shot on five and, you know, he ends up making par there. Well, we got a playoff, you know, Kepka hits the green on two. We got a playoff, you know, like there's so many things that could have happened along the way that just that's golf. And, and, you know, to Phil's credit, I, he backed off a lot today. Did you see that? I mean, a number of times I must've, I count maybe a half a dozen off the top of my head that he was walking in and didn't like what he was telling himself. Didn't like where he was going. Totally. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think you saw that. I was at 17. There was one of the tee shots late in the day, maybe it was 17 where he would, he was right up. I thought he was like milliseconds from pulling the trigger and he walked, walked away and then walked back in. So definitely doing that. That took a lot of discipline and, you know, credit to him. He, he, he's played, uh, very poorly this year when he wasn't playing on the champions tour. And, you know, he's, uh, he's kept himself in great shape. He works really, really hard and he put it together, which is pretty cool. I, I'm sure if he had to win one tournament, he, he would have wished it would have been a month from now, but at the right. same time, you don't pick and choose when you're 50 about winning terms on the PGA tour, let alone. No, a major. And it, there's just so many different threads to this story. I mean, just you mentioned, you know, the alluding to the Open coming up at Torrey, his hometown, um, and you know, the the um, uh, I don't want to say controversy is not the right word, but the discussion about whether he would accept the you know special exemption, he finally and he did, and they announced it, and now he's exempt for the next five years into the U.S. Open. I mean, how ironic is that, right? I mean. We'll see him out here at LA Country Club. You know, um, uh, he goes to Brookline next year, then he's back LA Country Club the year after. I mean, he's got five years worth opens now. So, got Pinehurst in there, I think. After that, where of course wow. he had the Payne Stewart memorable, um, you know, battle and stuff. And um, there's so many things that were interesting to me. I, I and I know you noticed this. You and I were texting about this. I, I this, I mean, there's so much stuff we could talk about. But the one thing that just stuck in my mind is on 17 just to skip to that hole for one set you know so he, he gets a i think a bad break i mean you know adrenaline hits that iron a mile and you know on the same line as kepka but unlike kepka it goes into that heavy shit you know over the green so now he's staring back at the pin in the water and you've got to hit it with some force to get it i mean it's a horrible lie um and and you're thinking gee you know i I, I mean, immediately you're thinking of Matsuyama over 15, right? Where, you know, at the Masters where, I mean, he didn't have a bad life, but when he dropped it out of the lake at 16, you know, that shot into 15, if you hit that too hard, we saw people all week at the Masters knock it across into the water. And I'm I'm just sitting there thinking, how Phil-like would this be, you know, that he's made it this far and then hit it more. But he hits a good shot from where it was, did just what he needed to do, 20, 25 feet. But the point I'm getting to, which I know you know, so he hits that first putt a little hard. Not that bad. I don't think it was more than two feet past. No, I mean, I think right. the announcer said 18 inches. I'll give it two feet. Certainly not more than that. And I'm watching him 
get over that pot. And I couldn't believe it. He switches to the claw grip. You know, he's been using the claw grip a lot the last few years, but not this week. He's been just totally convinced. Talk about conventional. I think he's using that old Wilson 8862 putter. I mean, this is, this is the most lowest tech classic blade putter. No insert, none of the white hot odysseys. I've just sort of a classic putter using his old stroke, classic thing. But yet he gets over that and he goes to the claw. What's going through his head? Did he feel like a little twitchy coming on or something? I mean, that I think Fa- and Faldo noticed it and made a point yeah. of it on the telecast. I mean, it's just, that was remarkable to me that you're at the 71st hole, you've done this hole, and now you're going to use a grip that uh, you haven't used all week. Didn't you think that was kind of amazing? Yeah, it was fascinating. And I, what you said about the putter, I think it's an odyssey, but designed to look like the 8802. Oh, because it looks like the old Wilson right. putter. And it, okay. may, it, it wouldn't be surprising if it was an 8802, but, but it does, it has its exact same design, right? But I mean, what you're saying is so interesting because imagine young Phil going to the claw, right? I mean, never in a million years, right? I mean, he, he patterned himself years. after he was a left-handed Ben Crenshaw and they spoke of that today. It's totally. And the then, long sweeping stroke, exactly like Ben. Right. Same, same stroke, right? Same close feet address. We all putted like that. I know I did as a kid. That was my era. You know, I was a, li- I'm a little older than Phil, but not much. I got my butt kicked by him in a couple of junior worlds uh, long ago. Did you actually, did you play with him? I didn't play in the same group, but we played the same tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Playing, right. playing you're, Phil you're at Torrey Pines. You're only about a year or so, but you're close in age. A year or two. Yeah, yeah, a couple years older. I'm a couple years older than he is. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I never even knew that. Interesting. Okay. But what was interesting, and we I texted you this too, is like this is where knowing golf history is so fun, right? Because you know, you you talk about the claw and the fact that he went to the claw out of the blue, right? Just so bizarre to see that. Like, was that a default? Did it happen without him thinking? You know, who knows, right? Who yeah, knows? What, who knows? I don't know if he even right. knows. Yeah, maybe he felt something he didn't like. You know, she went to the claw and they felt much better about it, knocked it in. <laughs> right. And then like that ball, he hit off the, the tee. Like I, it took me right back to, to Watson, you know. Oh, totally seven, going over ball. 18, the bad yeah. bounce. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was like, I mean, that shot Watson hit, I'm still pissed off that ball went over the green. Yeah. I'm still pissed never. about that because he was 50, what? 59. Right. At the time. 59, 59, 59 yeah, years old. <laughs> oh my god he almost won a major yeah. at 59 I like know. and he hit a great shot that's the thing that was so frustrating about but it was it was interesting because like his nerves got the best of him right like he he should have chipped that ball we all know that right and he couldn't well, he, he putted yeah. he was struggling he, you could just see it was just not Tom Watson, nineteen eighty-two. That's the that's the wedge, man. That ball's oh, going oh, in. Yeah, but yeah. he just couldn't do it. So then Phil has the same scenario. He bounces over the green, hacks it out, puts it down. All he needs him to do is make bogey, and the nerves kind of got him too at that point. So he goes claw all of a sudden. Like it just yeah. shows you the game's so screwed up. You know, all the time <laughs> we're all so jacked up, and as you get older, it's not like you come to grips with any of it. You know, it just gets worse, you know, and he's chomping on the gum, the, the whatever the hell is in the gum, you know, the monkey piss or the donkey, but whatever the hell it is and the CBD oil and trying to calm down. He's breathing all day. It's like this whole, this whole scene all day. 
you know, and he got the job right. done. Credit to him. But I mean, that's why knowing the history is so fun because you just plus it, you know, we've we've seen putts uh, on that golf course miss that were uh, career enders, theoretically. Well, but but Langer Langer came back though. You got to admit, that, indeed, but, but changed the whole putt. Look, I mean, the putting, right? I know. Yeah. Like the guy that missed the most famous putt maybe ever in Ryder Cup history, right? You could argue. I think yes, you could argue that. You could argue that that putt was maybe the most famous miss in Ryder Cup history, right? Yeah, I think you can. A guy that had major putting issues on multiple occasions in his career has changed putting styles a lot. And then here's you got Phil, you know, at Kiowa, same kind of thing. I mean, it's weird how everything kind of comes back in golf, you know, and it all comes full circle. So that well, was fun. I mean, and especially going those holes, right? Again, you talk about golf history and go back as long as we brought up the war by the shore to go back for that. And I think, I think this is right. I mean, Colin Montgomery, I know he was four down to Cal with four to go. And I know he won the last four. I believe he went bogey, five over bogey, yeah. double and bright five over, right? Bogey, bogey, double bogey, bogey won all four holes. I mean, you know, a lot of history that that, yeah. that Ryder Cup 91 was like, but you're right. And longer, just, we, we, we should get Bernhard as due, right? I mean, you know, so that was about a six footer, as I remember against Taylor. It yes. wasn't like it was a three yes. footer, two footer, no. but, but, you know, certainly, you know, uh, you know, so it wasn't like a, a sh- super short putt and, but, but yeah, I mean, here's a guy talk about strength of, discipline you know mental Ooh. strength you know somebody to win at augusta twice you know with putting issues i mean it's just that you don't think of that right and and he went and he, he how many different versions of of, the, of his putting have we seen and you know goes on to you know that was what 91 the war by the shore comes yep. back and um wins again in what nine chip back was 93 i think it was yeah, I so, think or, he won in 95 i think 94 or 95 90, Five five. Okay, so but it was after War by the second Masters was after War by the Shore. I know yes. that because he won in eighty five. Yeah, you know because he won. I think right it was Jack won in eighty six. I think he won in ninety four. I thought I thought um, Ian was ninety four. Anyways, but around that Ian time was, it was after War by the Shore for sure. But, I think but, Ian was um, ninety one. Oh, you're right. He was. Yeah. You're right. He was. Anyways, whatever it was, it was the second one was after that. So he was able to bring himself back. And, and, and of course, you know, he's had probably, I would argue, you know, I'd have to look at his numbers versus Hale Irwin, but in terms of a senior career, I mean, he's just, he's, a, and, and to this day, he is what now, what he's in his sixties, he still competes at Augusta. And so he's a special cut. cat. But yeah, Let me yeah, ask you this, not to change the subject, but I want to get your opinion on this. So we often, yeah. after our U S open, or pre-US Open talk is always about the setup and how horrible a job yeah. they do every single time, whether it's a US Open, a US Amateur, a US Women's Open, it doesn't matter. The USJ finds a way to ruin the golf tournament. <laughs> but I will say once again, the PGA, except for the last hole and the atrocious security that they had on the last hole, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But the course setup I thought was awesome. Seemed completely yeah. fair on a golf course that can be very unfair. The score was about I, right yeah. the first round. I mean, I thought they got a lot of things right this week. And it and I will say this, I, I the PGA is not a perfect organization. And I'm a member of the organization and I and I 
love a lot about it and there's things I can't stand about it, but they get it right a lot. They get it right a lot. And I think it's because they're professionals. We don't have amateurs setting up golf tournaments when we're talking about a PGA championship and whether it's, whether it was Harding park or wherever it is. I mean, every year, I think they put on a really good golf tournament with the arguably the best field of any of the majors as well. So I uh, hats off to them and their setup. What'd you think of that setup? hundred percent agree. I think Carrie Hay, who I think is the fellow who's in charge of the setup for the PGA, you know, does a phenomenal job. And, you know, um, and you, that course, you know, if you tipped it out on every hole, you're not that much short of 8,000 yards. I think it's, you know, a little under 7,900. So you have to be sensitive to the wind. You have to be sort of sensitive to how much moisture you're going to have in the greens. I mean, all the things that go into a, a course setup. And I 100% agree with you. I think they were did a fabulous job. And I'm not surprised. I think the PGA and Kerry Hague and his group does a great job, almost invariably year in and year out, setting up the, the course. And I, I will definitely give the nod to them over the USGA in terms of uh, course setups. So I agree with it you. It was nice, too, to not talk about the course right? Being unfair. It's nice when it's about the players totally. and it's totally, the way it should be. Right? It's like a, it's like a, you know, watching, um, Angel Hernandez umpire. I, I don't know if you know a lot about baseball. Angel Hernandez is the worst umpire in baseball by far. Like it's not even close. And every time he does a game, the players want to kill him. The managers usually get ejected and the umpires are, are the uh, announcers are going crazy because he does a horrible job. And it always becomes about how horrible Angel Hernandez is instead about the game being played. And yeah, I always yeah, feel like a, ma want, yeah. a major should be the same way. We shouldn't be talking about the golf course. We should be talking about the players and, and how well they played and how they handled the adversity. And that's exactly what we got this week. And so that means that the venue was excellent. They set it up properly. And with, you know, a golf course that can be, you know, really impacted by the wind significantly, they really did a good job adjusting for the weather, which I don't think is done enough. And, you know, I thought, like I said, everything up until that last hole, they did a terrific job with. But talk to me about the dude. Is there a pandemic, Larry? <laughs> can you explain this to me did you see a freaking mask anywhere in sight what the well, heck's no, going I, on I, I think you know they're they're outdoors they're not gonna yeah i wasn't expecting to see masks i was a little i was a little bit um surprised at um you know i mean i mean I, what 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 can you say I, I, I saw a few people say it this way and i think this is right they lost containment on the last hole. I mean, you know, it's just, it was, it reminded me, I, I was vividly thinking, you know, of the British Open and in particular, you know, 77 in Turnberry, because I always yeah. have this image of Watson, you know, had those like the bright white belt and those bites, yeah. you know, popping yeah. out of the, yeah. you know, of the crowd when, and that's always the way the British Open used to be. They just right. let them roam up the last fairway. I've never seen that happen in the States. Um, and I don't think that was in the uh, design book for how they were planning on doing mm. it, but it just got away from them. And it, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I just, I was amazed at that. They just, they just totally lost control of the situation on the last hole. And, you know, fortunately nothing, you know, untoward happened, but um, that was not a, that was not a good situation. No, if I was Brooks Kepka with a bad knee, I would not have been thrilled and delighted to be fighting my way through the gallery, trying to get to that green. I mean, 
I, I just, I thought that was, it was disappointing, but there were several times during the round today and I texted Eamon this at one point, I said, it sure is sad that the fans are back because <laughs> it, they're just idiots. I mean, the screaming and the shouting during the, it's, I, well, it's so I like, it makes you yeah. yearn honestly for either an open championship crowd that is educated and respectful and gets it or Augusta where you don't see that kind of crap. I don't know why. I, I, this, is this something that PGA tour needs to do a better job with the PGA of America during this event, or is it just going to be like this when you, from now on, if you're not at Augusta or if you're not an open championship? Well, I thought, I think this is how it is. I mean, it, it you know, we have forgotten because we haven't had fans for a long time, not in this quantity, but yeah, I mean, you know, Augusta is unique, right? I mean, you know, and and they just and it's interesting because what I was going to say, I think I texted you is, you know, there was obviously a lot of alcohol flowing. But, you know, you know, last time I was at Augusta, the last time, the first time, the only time, hopefully it'll happen again, that I was at Augusta for the Masters. The one time I was at Augusta for Masters, they sell beer there, too. Um, and people are thirsty in Georgia like they are everywhere else. So. It's not the alcohol, but there's just a level of, you know, if you behave like, as you know, because you've been the master, if you behave like that, you're out of the grounds. Um, and so, you know, there's just as many people as there are at the masters, and there are a lot. I mean, it's just everything is kept in order. And, and you know, people may be drinking a lot of beer, but they're behaving themselves and they know they have to. And but that just isn't enforced, I don't think, in any of the other um, tournaments. And, you know, this one in particular, you know, because you had Phil. I mean, I was trying to think. Bell Reeve was a little bit like this with Tiger coming down the stretch. I mean, you know, it's just when you get a Tiger or Phil and in, in an historic situation like this and people just go a little bananas. And, and you know, unless you're, as you say, at the Open or, or at the Masters, um, you get that. And it's kind of, it's kind of unfortunate. I mean, that last hole was scary that they let people, you know, be like that, that, that that's a whole different kettle of fish. Cause what you were saying was true, the whole 18 holes in terms of the stuff, but I mean, you know, the, the last hole should never have been that way, but they just, you know, they just kind of lost containment. I don't know what else you can say. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll hopefully learn from it. Yeah, boy, I hope they do. And uh, especially with the Ryder cup coming out. And and my well, that's question, the one thing I was going to yeah, ask. The right, yeah, talk yeah, to me now. Yeah. does Phil Mickelson make a Ryder Cup team now? How do you not put this guy on the Ryder Cup team? You know, it's so funny, right? I mean, he is. Um, you know, and we'll we'll maybe we'll get into this. You know, kind of where he is historically in the game. I mean, you know, of the many records that he's had. I mean, he has. Um, you know, had the, um, uh, you know, the, the, if you want to call it misfortune, he's had a very fortunate life, but the misfortune of sort of playing in the shadow of, you know, I, I, Jack is still my number one, but, you know, right at the top of one of the greatest players of all time in Tiger Woods. And, you know, arguably the greatest people can debate Tiger versus Jack, but the point being that Phil's whole career and Ernie Els and a few other people were in the wake of Tiger. And, you know, and so, he doesn't really, you know, um, he, he, you know, his his record suffers a little bit, but but one of the things is he made so many Ryder Cup teams consecutively, right? 
and he right. and, and so many presidential president cups teams and he you know finally missed the president's cup team last year but i know he he hasn't talked about it lately he was really determined to make the Ryder cup team but now that he's won major yeah i don't i mean i'd like to sort of see kind of what the rest of the year is um what the summer is like but yeah i kind of i'm kind of with you i mean i think you know i i don't know what you think i i think he's going to be hard to be left off don't you I agree. I mean, Stricker and him are obviously very good friends and Stricker has a lot of respect for him. I I don't see how you don't have, I mean, you don't have Tiger, right? It's not going to happen. Right. Who knows if Tiger will even be there. In, you know, I, I doubt he will be, but I mean, it would make sense to have a guy like Phil there who's, who loves the Ryder Cup. He certainly will be a, cha- a captain probably in the next four years, I would think you know, coming up here. And I don't know, it seems like a no brainer to me to have, if you're a captain's pick, who are you going to take? Honestly? I mean, I, I mean, if, if at that point you, you've got your usual suspects are going to be on the team, right? Webb Simpson and Kepka and Spieth will make the team now. And, you know, you're probably going to have what, um, Gary Woodland and I mean the, the, that group of players going to be on the team, no doubt in my mind. Right, right. Shambo, the Shambo will be on the team, but oh for sure he will. Yeah, I mean if you're picking between uh, Phil and Kevin Kistner, I mean, no offense to Kevin Kistner, who's a great match play player, but I'm probably taking Phil. You know, I mean Phil casts a shadow. I mean he he's he's he had a pretty good match play record. You know, his whole life he's been pretty decent at it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of a. It, I don't know. It'd be hard to leave him off a team at 50 years old when he's won a major championship on a really hard golf course, right? With a pretty good field coming down the stretch and sucked it oh, up. Yeah. And play. I mean, I don't know. I as I'd be taking him. I wouldn't take Jim Furyk, but I sure as heck would take. Uh, Phil Mickelson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised if you're a comment. Um, no, I, I I tend to agree with you. I mean, and um, he's kind of an elder statesman, you know, and 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 I I think a lot of the younger guys look up to him. So yeah, I I agree. I think I think they probably take him. I'm just sort of. Um, I mean, let's talk a little bit just kind of about Phil. I mean, this this so came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, it just. I just, um, I mean, there were times watching him where I didn't even know who I was watching. It was like Hogan-esque. I mean, the shots he was hitting, you know, he hit 11 out of 14 fairways Friday. Yeah, when's the last time he hit 11 out of 14 fairways in a in a major tournament? I mean, well, you know. Prob- probably the last time was at a, on, a, on a money game at Whisper Rock. You know, it was probably the last time he did that. <laughs> but you're right. Like. But you know what's interesting about him is this reminded me so much of him winning the Open, right? Oh, the at Muirfield, the British Open, yeah. 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 Completely unexpected. Yeah. Never, nobody thought in a million years Phil was ever going to win an Open. No way. You know, he was never going to win an Open Championship, but he won that week and he won in convincing fashion, right? He was He played incredibly good golf, steady golf. The whole time, and it, it felt a lot like that this week, where it was a golf course that you had to nickel and dime your way around at times and hit some shots off the tee. He was hitting that cut a lot, which is, you know, when you 
it's just always seemed to be the thing that he should have been hitting all along. You know, when he wanted Augusta the first time, same thing, right? He said, so like he's yeah. hitting the fade off the tee that was working. I mean, I thought, I thought the interplay with him and his brother was terrific. I mean, I know Tim pretty well from all those years with him coaching college golf and stuff. Terrific guy. They worked incredibly well together. I thought Phil completely trusted him on several shots today. I'm glad you mentioned Tim. Let's talk about that for a second because I don't, I don't know. And I don't know that you know, and I'm not asking you to reveal anything, but you know, what was behind the whole bones Phil split? Um, you know, I always thought they worked so well together. And my and I don't know Tim at all. And I know you do know him. But what I mean, when when Tim first you know took the bag up after the bone split, I was thinking, boy, his brother. I mean, you know, it's it's like you know. I mean, I think you know, being a caddy at that level and having that's not like a. It's a lot more than just carrying a bag. I mean, obviously and. And so I just was wondering, you know, yeah, it's his brother, but are they going to have that kind of not rapport in a professional golf sense, right. you know, to do that kind of, and I agree with you. I mean, I was listening to that at the last, you know, of course now with these boom mics, just you can hear anything all over the planet, but I mean, you know, listening to their conversations and stuff. And I agree with you. Phil really did seem to trust them, you know, and you could see, you know, it's a couple of times. Phil's like, well, well, tell me what you think. And stuff, right. and and they really worked through that stuff beautifully together, and that was that was impressive, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. And he even said that one of the turning points in the round was when he was on the fourth hole or something, and he was kind of struggling. And you know, Tim told him, "Hey, you better start committing to some shots. We're not going to win this tournament unless you do." You know, and it kind of shook him back to reality. Like, I got to go play right now. I can't just like try not to make a mistake. And you know, that was great insight and i thought all day they made they made decisions together i think the iron shot maybe it was on 12 or 13 where he was they were picking targets he's like no i'd rather you hit this shot on you know and and phil went with it you know the yeah. the interplay with them was great and you know tim it's interesting because anytime you're a sibling of a of a you know hall of famer in some sport or a family member you're you're always it always seems as if you're getting whatever you're getting from golf based on the name but Tim was a great college coach, you know, University of San Diego. And then, you know, he was a you know, he, Arizona State and then left that and was an agent, you know, like a, he was into he was going into representing players. And the next thing you know, he's on the back, you know, so he, he knows the game really, really well. He was a very good player in his own right. Hmm. Not surprised that he's he's a great caddy. He's been on a lot of golf courses with a lot of college golfers. And you have to teach a lot when you do that. I know that, you know, right. firsthand. And you know that for firsthand, yeah. right, exactly. He, he did a very he, – he's he was very good at that, and I think he's perfect for Phil at this point in his life. Um, you know, they obviously have a great rapport, and there was a lot of emotion on the last hole between the two of them. You know, it, it was a neat moment. Oh, really. that hug was a lot yeah. – that was a long yeah. hug between the two of them. Yeah, Very cool. Absolutely. Cool moment, and I, I don't know. I thought, I thought that was a big – it's kind of like everything worked, you know? Larry, like, you know, you don't, it was funny because Maddie, you know, my daughter, people don't know, but Maddie afterwards, she's like, well, you always say that you need a lot, you need luck to win a tournament, you know, and you kind of do, you need a couple breaks to go your way. You know, sometimes that luck is somebody else's misfortune that you end up benefiting from, you know, I mean, that ball that Kepka hit that he power pulled on two, I mean, that ball barely rolled into that 
longer grass. It happened to be in the longer grass, screwed where he had no chance to get the ball in the green. Like if that yeah. ends up on sand, he hacks that up on the green. He probably makes bogey. You know, if it's down on the collection area, Kepka's pretty good around the green. So he probably hits that within eight, 10 feet, might make par, but it didn't, you know? And, and the, that's the thing that drives you crazy in this game because you don't have any control really when it comes down to it. The thing you do have control over is the picture in your mind about the shot that you're hitting. And Phil made a point of doing that and trained that nonstop. That was the thing he kept talking about, right? Like I need a better picture. I need to, I need to make sure that the picture I'm, I'm seeing, I'm trying to match. I'm trying to hit it to that target. You saw him back off on multiple occasions. Any of those shots that he doesn't back off, that he is uncommitted to in those situations down the stretch with, with the trouble that was lurking could have ended his chance to win the golf tournament. So he really did take care of the thing he needed to control, which was what was going through his head when he's standing over the ball. And, and for that, it's an incredibly good educational experience for anybody who's trying to play this game on any level, whether you're a young tour player or a college golfer, junior golfer, or just an average amateur out there trying to play golf that has horrible self-talk, right? Every time I play this hole, I slice it in the water. Yeah, you know, yeah. I topped it here the last, you know, all the crap that people say it to themselves before they hit it. And standing over the ball with a horrible thought about, you know, where the ball's going to go and what you don't want. And Phil talked about it and, you know, lived it today. It was great to watch, man. It really, really was. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a huge fan. I'm really not. I know. But, but I give him, I, I, I respect the hell out of what he did today. He, he really stayed in the moment and played. He had great shots when he needed to, and other guys didn't, so he deserved it. I agree. I, I totally agree with that. I do have to make, though, a couple of observations <laughs> to go back to your luck point, and I, and, and, and I was rooting very hard for him, and I'm, but having said that, I mean, let's go back just briefly to Saturday, right? So he's going on. He's got the five-shot lead. He birdies 10. He's right up in front of the 11th green in two um, and with a very simple chip and he hits a good chip and I don't know, four feet, six feet by, not much more than that. Misses the putt, weak effort, right? Um, and slides and then, you know, hits the bad drive. And, and I felt that, I mean, that was still a par, but I was sort of, I could feel a little change yeah. in the vibrations and, you know, then he hits, the next drive in the bunker has to hack it out, makes bogey. Okay. Then just hits 13. Oh, horrible drive. Is he hit that drive because Louis had just put it in there in front of him and that's in his image. If Louis hits a good drive, there's, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, that was a horrendous hook, you know, and, and frankly, you know, he starts leaking oil and, you know, the putting, you know, he hit some good shots coming in, had a good birdie putt on 14 yesterday doesn't touch the hole, you know, 16, if that cart's not there on 16, okay, yeah. where the ball ends up under the, we talked to your point about good luck. Okay. You know, I don't think he makes par there or, you know, I, I, that, 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 that was some, there was some like head high stuff a few feet past where that golf cart was there. Who knows what happens then? Right. I mean, um, but you know, they gets that break, you know, and, and then takes it home and then hits an incredible flop, as credible shot as that was on 18, you know, when he missed the green. That putt went all the circumference before it went in, okay? And just think about that if you bogey that hole, 
you know, and have to think about it overnight. Okay. But you know, okay. It is, it is. He's got his one to Then we go to the same thing. We come to the back nine again, you know, birdies 10 again with an, like, I would say almost a foolish shot, taking it over the bunker with the iron right. into it, you know, but, you know, but a great shot. A, a, and, 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 you know, goes and makes his, you know, I think there was another two shots. I mean, maybe because Pep, Pep was in the bunker, you know, makes the birdie. And again, but then, you know, comes down 13. How does he do what he, so he hits a good drive to this time. Okay. So he's got that out of his head, puts it. How does he put it in the water there on that second shot? I mean, just unbelievable. And, but to your point about Tim, and this is one of the other reasons I wanted to go through it. You know, do you hear what Tim said? Tim said, five, all we need is five. Five's fine, you right. know, because he knew where the ball crossed the hazard, right? right? He actually could drop it on the green. Um, he said, five's fine. And, you know, and he kind of talked them down and talked them in. So, but, you know, to your, I guess why I'm saying all that is, you know, there's, a, there's an element of luck there. Um, and, you know, whether it was that ball stopping under the wheel of the cart yesterday or whatever, sure. but, you know, you got to, you know, you get your breaks and you got to take advantage of them. And he did. Yeah, that's probably. Like I said, Kepka's going to have the worst night, in my opinion. You yeah. know, I, I think Louis played really well, and as, as Louis tends to do, doesn't make much sometimes, and he didn't make right. much. But I mean, he hit the ball pretty good today compared to how he hit it yesterday. He hit it bad yesterday and put it bad yesterday. But he hit the right. ball pretty good today and just just couldn't get it in the hole. Shot one over par. I mean, not hard to imagine a scenario where he would shoot one under par, hitting it as good as he did today. Just didn't make totally. anything. But Kepka, like those par fives, and even the 11th hole today, like, uh, I don't know what happened on that second shot. Honestly, like, nobody was getting what that. Thinking? What was he thinking? I don't thinking know. To I, do don't, I don't know. Because nobody was getting there, right? Nobody was getting there. No, no, because the wind he, had switched 180 right. degrees, so it was right. dead into the wind on 11. Right. And, and Patrick Reed laid up earlier. I mean, everybody was laying up. And he hit a really good drive. So you're thinking, okay, well, maybe he's going to go here. And then he's got the iron out. So you're like, oh, he's laying up. And then he hit it right at the green, just 50 yards short of the green. I, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if he played quickly. It, he, he certainly had a lot of time to think about it because he was waiting for Phil to get a drop. Right. Well, so, we remember because so, Phil said to him, you want to go ahead? You can go ahead. Right. And he said, no, no, I'm waiting. Right. So I don't know what Kevin, happened. That was when the like fan it, moved Phil's ball or something. Right. They had plenty of time to figure that out. I mean, as good as the combination was with, Phil and and Tim making decisions. That was either a horrible pull, which it didn't look like it was, or it was just a horrible decision because that that was nowhere near laying up in the fairway or getting to the green. You know what I mean? Like it was probably yeah. the, oh, no, it was totally. probably it was such a bad shot that I don't even know what he was doing. If he was I, laying I, up, I think it, 40 I, yards, I tend to no, I having watched the swing, and I mean, I'm just thinking back in my mind because I was watching that live. I think it was just a bad decision because he looked like he was aiming there, and he looked like he took a good swing at it. I just, yeah. I don't know. I just think it was a bad decision. It was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. I mean, I, I just think that 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 shot, like he was still alive there, and you know, Phil had to lay up, so Phil was probably not going to make a birdie there. I mean, it's just I, those types of things. Like, they, remember, I was telling you the basic stuff. Right, it's a basic situation. Lay the ball out on the grass to the right. Hit a wedge on the green. Give yourself a birdie opportunity. If you don't make it, make par. 
least you parred a par, par five. He hadn't done that today, during the round. But he just, just gift-wrapped a shot there for no reason at all. And any one of those shots that he gift-wrapped before the 18th hole would have completely changed the 18th hole, right? Like, it would have changed oh, the way the oh, hole yeah. was played. And yeah, then, I and mean, then, yeah. Even, totally. even if Phil drops a shot somewhere, okay, that, then the 18th hole is interesting, right? But like Ustaisen on the last hole, his ball barely rolled into the primary, right? He had a really good drive off the tee. It rolls past the – and then just barely gets to the primary. And as soon as it sits in the primary, you're like, well, he's screwed. He's not making birdie. There's no way he can stop the ball in that green anywhere near that hole where that ball is. Right. You know, right. it's like all those little things that happen during a tournament. And and they all well, – like, how about well, – but, but how about Louis lie? I, I mean – I mean that was unbelievable. That was, was bad. it on? Uh, that, was that was the hole where I'm trying to think. Was that 13? Wherever it was, it got underneath yeah. the lip of the bunker, or yeah. I mean, he barely could hack it out. It was impossible. Yeah. Um, was a, so yeah, that that, that was, was a so bad thing too. Yeah. Well, but no, I, I agree. I think with Brooke, it's going to be those par five. I mean, not just four. He doesn't. He it's not like they were three putts. He does not hit uh, the first three. There's four par fives. The first three par five. He doesn't hit one of them in regulation, a par five in regulation. I mean, I'll tell you another mental thing, then we'll give our friend Brooke a, a break here. Seven, okay? So that's a terrible second shot to go, to push it that far right. He could have gone in the water there. And, right. But, you know, he gets his ball, hit it hard, just play past the pin, get up, right. the, get up the hill. I mean, that wasn't even close to sort of being a decent shot. And, you know, he put himself in a bad position, but... Anyway, so let me let me sort of wind up here. I've been so we, we've covered this, we've covered Phil, all the great. Let me ask you this. Let's let's look at you know for a few minutes. We wind up kind of the historical context here. Okay. Where do you think you're a student of the of history as well as the <laughs> game generally? Where do you think you know this puts Phil in your mind in terms of all time? I will just interject this that you know the. Um, Obviously, the peop- list of people who've won all four is a very small list. If you add in the people who've won all three, three of the four, which he already had before this, you know, you kind of pick up a lot of really important, significant mm-hmm. players and stuff, Sneed, Trevino, and everything. But just if you think about it, where, where do you kind of, is this, is this put him in the top 10, out, still outside the top 10? I'm not sure where you had him before this, but, you know, where do you think this puts him? I mean, I always like to value the amateur career maybe a little bit more than mm. in addition to the professional career. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, two NCAA titles, um, U.S. amateur, uh, that counts for something for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I consider that to be an important element of looking at a player's career. It doesn't just start on the PGA Tour for me. but That's a, that's a good point. I, I think, like, he... He's played what was 113th major or something this week, or something oh, like I didn't that. See the number that that's believable. 113 yeah. majors, right? This is his sixth title. It, I mean, obviously, it's a Hall of Fame career. We we all state that this was Kepka's 27th major. He's won four. Now he's only won a couple other tournaments along the way, right? But we do mark a player's career based on the major championships. That is absolutely how we look at the career. I don't care how many tournaments you've won on the regular tour. Ultimately, you're going to be judged on how you play. 
in the biggest events. And it but, doesn't. And you, do, you, do you agree with that? I understand we say you are I do judge. Too. I mean, do you, I do agree with that. You do too. I, I agree with that. Uh, and, I, and the Players' Championship does not count. I don't care what anybody says. It isn't no, that. No, the it four traditional majors. Major. Yeah. It's four majors. Just get that off the table. But I think, like, people talk about Tiger. Well, he's in Tiger's era. Well, you know, Watson played against a pretty good player. You know, so did Trevino. They had some yeah. dude that, like, won, like, a lot of major championships for a long time. Yeah. Who, yeah. I, I don't care about, like, Tiger, who, do, who did Tiger have? Tiger had Phil, theoretically. They never, ever, ever. Never. Not one time in the right. entire. In the hundred some odd majors they played together, not one time was that major contested between those two guys coming down the stretch. Correct. You know, Watson looked Nicholas in the eye at Turnbury, right? Well, and Augusta the, the too. I mean, twice. Absolutely. You know. And and almost in the eye at Pebble in 82. They, I mean, it it's kind of like you, well, no, I wouldn't say well, not almost. He did. I mean, they weren't playing together. I said they weren't did. playing together, yeah. but they were right there. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. the same group. Oh, totally. But, but it was right next to each other. And I just feel like, I mean, Watson's career to me still supersedes Mickelson's. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And, you know, Trevino, Trevino is still up there for me. You know, like I think Trevino and Phil's career are similar, very, very similar you know, in terms of, of what they did, but you also like Trevino to me had to deal with Jack and with Watson and with Weisskopf at the time. I mean, don't think who else is in Tiger's era that you put into that stratosphere, right. Of great players. You can't find one. It's Phil, but Phil never beat Tiger head to head. He never beat the guy that he needed to be. He never had that defining. Not in a major, not in a major, not in a major championship. So I don't know. I, I, I think he's still obviously, I think he's top 10. It's tough. Like where's that bar cut? I mean, do you include Sarah's in into that and Hagen? Because that, it's a generation that, I mean, that's pretty far back, you know? I mean, does it start sort of with Nelson and, and Hogan and, and Sneed? Is that where we're measuring from? It's kind of difficult, you know, Bobby Joe. I, I feel like everything before, those three guys it's tough on me and maybe it's just you know i'm, I'm having trouble it wasn't my generation tough, tough to mean tough to compare the older guys yes. you're saying to these yeah it's tough to compare sarazen and hagen with with this generation i can still see how you can go hogan and nelson and sneed with this generation it just seems more difficult to me and maybe it's just i, I need to look at it closer but i don't know i i'm i'm not I mean, I'm not convinced that he's a top 10 guy. I think he's very, if he's not in the top 10, he's 11th or somewhere, you know? What do you think, Larry? Because you... I think that's almost exactly where I have him. I mean, basically to me, okay, um, I mean, who's on the Mount Rushmore? I mean, I would sort of put, because there's four faces on Mount Rushmore, right? If I'm remembering right? Yes. Um, (laughs) You know, Jack, Tiger, Hogan, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to go back and include Bobby Jones. So I, those are kind of my folks that are on Mount Rushmore. So that's that's four, right? 
Um, and then, you know, I have to um, go back and include, um, you know, uh, we go back to Hogan, Sneed and Nelson. Um, and um, I also have to, of Jones, I, I, it's hard for me not to include at least Walter Hagen. I mean, those four mm-hmm. PGAs will match play. I mean, you know, Sarah's in one, all four, you know, maybe not as many other terms. I don't know, but you know, uh, I'm not going to go back before Jones. I'm going to leave Harry Varden out of that, but you know, I agree with you on Watson. Um, and you know, so what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. See, I'm, see, I'm almost up to 10 already. Um, and so I, I definitely think he's top 15. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I can get up to 10, um, you know, with, and if I, I think Trevino's a good parallel, but even Trevino, you know, I, I, doesn't he get something for facing down Jack? That's what I'm um, saying. A couple of yeah. times he did. I mean, you know, I just, I never, you know, um, I'm, I just, you know, I just, it, maybe it was just the way the cookie crumbled. I don't know, but there was just, I, you, you're looking for a signature win over Tiger in a major. Well, he um, did beat him in the match though. <laughs> he did. The only part, I remember he beat him at Pebble when they were both paired together in the last round, but in a regular, but I mean, in, in a, in a, in a, I just cannot remember a um a major um because it wasn't one so it it just um without that it's it's a hall of fame career i mean i agree with you about the amateur i think there's something to be said for the consistency i mean i do count i do go beyond majors i really do i mean i look at you know all those victories i mean 45 wins on the pga tour is a big number Um, it's staggering number Six it's second place finishes number. in the U.S. Open, right? I mean, how where does that go? Well, you know, I was going to say, you know, I Is know when thing? you think of, well, when you think of Jack, okay, yes, I know. If you're, you if you and I were having the Jack versus Tiger thing, I know I've heard you say this. You would say, you know, it's not just the eighteen wins; it's the nineteen. Hard to even say that nineteen runners up, you know, for Jack in the major. So it's thirty-seven times Jack was in the top two. Um, and so, you know, and who is number two on the list of all time runners up in majors, you know, who's number two, it's gotta be Phil. Correct. With 11. Yeah. No, it's a metric. I think you should talk about, you know, it really is. I mean, Jack had what 55 top three finishes or it's, I think it's 55 I think it's 55 top three finishes or something crazy. That might be right. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. That's a crazy, crazy number, but, but yeah, I mean, Phil's, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's as much tragedy in Phil's career as there is triumph, which, you know, I can't think of another player except for Norman who maybe had more tragedy than triumph in his career that you would say that about when you're talking about a whole, one of these top 10 guys or, or close to that group. Right. I mean, is there anybody else in that group of players that you, when you think about them, you think about the, how many they gave away, you know, how many tragedies they had along the way in terms of their, what could have been. I mean, Phil's, I can't think of one. I can't think of one player on that group that you, you think they let a bunch go. I mean, well, I think Norman, Norman, Norman is the best analog. 
But I he's do. not there in the top 15 players. Not even close. No, because he doesn't have the overall. I mean, he's got two majors. And so, but, but, but in terms of a top flight player, I mean, there's a guy who was world number one for how many yeah. weeks, you know, I think he is the only one I can think of that has had the, the kind of what I'll say, the analogous spectacular failures on the world's yes. biggest stage in yes. the sport like Phil has had. Um, so, um, no, I, I agree. I think I don't, but, but, I, but I will say this. So I don't know overall, you know, as historic as today was as cool as it was, as amazing as it was, as kind of why we love sports, you know, these things out of the blue like this. I don't know that it really moves him that much in terms of the all-time stuff. I think he was already top 15, you know, maybe if I'm going to, maybe I put him now with Trevino. I mean, I'd have to sort of go, but I don't think he breaks into the top 10, but it's look, it's a hall of fame career. I mean, you're talking about a sport that's been played, you know, for a very long time by a lot of people. So if you're top 12 and not top 10, you have still rarefied air, right? But let me ask you one last question then, Larry. Yeah. What happens? What happens if he goes to Torrey Pines and he wins the US Open at Torrey Pines and he completes the career grand slam at 50 years old, two majors in the same year, and does it at his home course as a kid? I, I have a totally different view. That's what I'm saying. That and 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 I then, would then still he tell is, you yeah, yeah. If he Go would ahead. if he would have if he wouldn't have won this tournament and he would have done what we just said and wins at Tory, it would have had the same impact. This wouldn't have meant anything to me. Now, the fact that he would have had two majors in one year at 50 is amazing, but that tournament still like if Phil wants to be recognized in that category, there's so few guys that are in that group. Look, that's I mean, the we tournament go he's got to win. I, I, I just, if we go through that top 10, right? Sneed, didn't win the U.S. Open. And, you know, I think five runner-up finishes. Now Phil has eclipsed that with six. Yes. Byron Nelson, I think, was missing the British Open. Um, you know, we can go. I mean, and, and those two are absolutely in my top ten. Absolutely. Uh, how could they not be? I mean, but, but you know, it's a, you know, and then other people who aren't quite in the top. You know, well, well Watson, right? The PGA right. had such great opportunities. Arnie, of course, the PGA. I mean, you know, you can sort of. Go through the list. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of people who have three. It's some Hall of Famers, you know. You've got three. two right but now get... with their young, Rory and Spieth, that are that are well, well, well right. That, that's right. But I mean, to get all four, um, you know, and it's kind of a little like to me, you know, the tennis Grand Slam or the t- career game, because you know, I mean, Wimbledon is such a different surface than the clay at Paris and stuff, and right. you know, and the fast courts in Australia. So. You know, you have to have all parts of your game. It's kind of similar. I mean, and, and you know, so to, to sort of get all four is pretty unique. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if he if he missed the cut at Kiowa, but he wanted Tory Pines, that would still vault him up. And the the PGA Cool and everything like that, that's not the same. Um, he would have that turbo lift from winning at Tory, regardless of what happened at Kiowa. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, I'm not holding my breath for that to happen, but you know what? I would have never, ever thought this was going to happen. So who yeah. knows, right? Who knows? That's why we play. That's why they play the games. We get to That's see. That's why they play the game. But Greg Brady, oh, as always, great catching up with you. This was an historic day. I loved all our texts. 
Um, I can see Eamon is already up with an article I have to read on this. Um, we'll be talking about this for a long, long time, but um, no doubt. Uh, that's why we love sports. So anyways, great talking to you, Brady. Um, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. As always, Larry, my pleasure.